Hi, I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. I'm Will. And you're listening to The, the Crusading Couch. Couch. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So today, uh, we're wondering, uh, would you be interested in... That's the general question we're going for today. We're going to be pitching... Uh, each of us has three uh, game ideas for different role-playing campaigns uh, or games that we're going to suggest. Um, I'm going to have... We're going to do three at a time. So I'm going to pitch one, Kim will pitch one, Ben Wilfred will pitch one, and then it'll be back to me. Uh... We're going to do uh, a quick pitch where we, you know, explain the hook of the game, what we think is interesting about this setting or a uh, different bunch of mechanics that we want to run with. Uh, and then the other two are going to ask questions. Uh, I'm going first because everybody else was like, oh, I don't want to go first. Um, it's not some diabolical scheme by me to talk. So, shall I jump in? Yeah, I think we're good. Alright, so the first game that I am pitching is called uh, The Taming of the New World. Uh, this is a fantasy game. Um, originally I was thinking like some version of Pathfinder or maybe Dungeon World. Now I have gone on a diff in a different track. Uh, this is sort of inspired by uh, the colonization of... Uh, to begin with, the colonization of uh, America... And then I went and visited Adelaide uh, and Port Augusta in South Australia and went to a museum about the exploration of South Australia. And this game has taken a different direction. <laughs> so this is, about, this is a fantasy game where... This is a fantasy game where the players are exploring a sort of fantasy version of uh, Australia, basically, or inspired by. They're going to this world, this place that they think is uninhabited, uh, and they're hoping to find uh, a, a lush environment to farm and grow. They're fleeing from overcrowded uh, cities and, and a lack of opportunity, and they're hoping to find freedom and wealth in this new place. And the players find themselves as one of these uh, on one of these exploration missions. And basically, the way that I'm imagining it is everything is just going to go... is going to go from bad to worse is the way I'm envisioning it. You know, they come expecting pastoral lands and they find desert. They expect to... They expect that if they just travel inland, they'll find an, a nice inland delta or maybe even an inland sea, but instead what they find is more desert. Um, perhaps they think that... They think this world is uh, uninhabited... But it's not. They find very angry uh, native peoples. Um, originally, I had the idea of pitching this, as, like I said, as Pathfinder. But instead, I have decided that I would run it in Rain, which uses the one-roll engine system, same as Wild Talents, uh, but with uh, more fantasy. And the advantage of that is that Rain also has in it uh, uh, company rules. So for building a organization and stuff like that, uh, which should work nicely with the whole exploration company. Uh, I don't think that there's anything else I really missed out on. Questions? Very important first question. Yes. If it's based on Australia, are there wombats in it? Yes. Well, big, I'm sorry. Big wombats. Megafauna. Sign me up. That's it. That's all Billy needed. <laughs> That's all I needed to know. He's happy. <laughs> yeah. He's happy. All right, I've got a couple of questions. So, if things are going from bad to worse... Mm. Uh... There is a survivalist aspect to this. Does that mean that party makeup is critical? So are you actually like gunning for players to make 
particular kinds of characters in order do you think there's like an optimal character combo character class combo not necessarily although something that i forgot to mention in my pitch and that i was worried about running one of the reasons that i wasn't too excited about running it for DD or pathfinder is magic magic in most games completely in most fantasy games completely destroys any like survivalist thing um which we've seen in games before kim's actually run into this problem as well it's like um oh you guys are going to be exploring this area uh you need to worry about what rations you're going to take with your f- i summon water i summon food i, s- I summon whatever protection i need from cold yeah. protection from protection from elements so i don't I, I mean one way around that is to do like more elemental based magic or more ritualistic magic another way is just to be like no summoning shit from nowhere like or build in a consequence. I know that um, there are some even Pathfinder system, not just Pathfinder, D and D settings that have like magic is a metaphor for industrial power. So like when you use magic, you destroy the environment because you're breaking the natural order. So that might be interesting. Uh. But like if you're if these adventurers are ex- inspired by Europeans from the 17th and 18th century, they're not going to give a fuck if they destroy the environment. They're looking for farming land. <laughs> They've brought bullocks with them. They're going to tear up the soil. Like they don't care. So that negativity doesn't necessarily enter into it. Okay, I have a question. Yes. So how much would you plan to focus on when you're getting the players into the game uh, focus on how they got there and the kind of background would you just be saying you find yourselves in this country from I'd probably style, or would the way that details? I would do it is I'd probably break up the first run to be this is you guys are about to get on the ship uh, some of you have I imagine that some character, some players would be like, yeah, no, I'm going into it. So I'm like, I've been, I've been a, I'm a seasoned explorer. I've been to many worlds. I'm like John Smith from Pokemoners or history. Uh, others might be like, you know, sort of inspired by Leonardo DiCaprio's character on Titanic. You know, they're, they've, there's like two seconds till the ship leaves and they need to get out of the city, you know, or they've won a ticket or something. They've gotten, they've beat some dude in a card game. So they jump on the ship. So are we talking, so when they get there and the adventure begins properly, are they going to have like sort of first fleet style that have a base that they can roam out with other explorers? It'll be, or will it be like, it'll be, it'll be more like the colonization of, um, America in that aspect in that there's probably other, exploration companies around as well but like they are they are not sh- they wouldn't know if those companies have arrived yet or not unless they actively sort that out okay um like they know that when they left fantasy england and fantasy europe there was another company that was heading this way as well but they so might never interact with that other so the company. The players are more or less on their own and can't depend on anything else. They can depend on the company they're with. But the other thing is like <laughs> I wouldn't focus like too heavily in the first run on how much like how the players join the company because the central tenet of the game is that they join this this exploration company. So yeah, they yeah. their characters should have reasons. I shouldn't have to be like one player character should be like I'm playing the druid and I don't conquer new civilizations. Like, well, why are you playing the druid in the exploration game? Like, you're meant to be like 18th century settlers. Why would you be that? Does everyone die in the end? Probably not. Like, I I probably have, like, there are ways in which the characters can... 
Do you um, think it leans that way? Do you think it leans? I think it would be a more a harsher fantasy game. So it's kind of fate. It's slightly fatalistic. It's slightly it's, fatalistic, it, but there is a way in like. For instance, the thing that I was thinking the whole time I was going through this museum about um, Australia, the colonisation of Australia, particularly South Australia, I was thinking to myself, why did they not just try to adapt to the environment? Why were they trying to change it to be England? And, like, if the players took that approach to try and learn about the land and find out how they could survive here rather than, like, sticking to their 18th century ideals and conceptions then there might be there might be a slightly more uh, better outcome important question and one I'll actually probably ask of every pitch is are there avenues for if a player character dies a new character to be introduced I think that you could have like somebody else in the company stepping up because you've got like at least an entire ship of characters yeah so it might even be worth um doing the ship is still there yeah the ship is still there the ship would stay but they'd be like exploring out from it um okay something yeah the company has arrived so like it might even be worth doing something where like the players make up backstories for several characters in the fleet but they only play as one and then if that character becomes removed from play for whatever reason they bring one of the other characters up into the main exploration party. Uh, so this is a potential flow kind of problem mm. uh, that I think. So well, I'm thinking back to that eclipse phase game where we had trouble talking to the alien. You mentioned indigenous people. Yes. Do you think that people could get hung up on communication difficulties with these indigenous peoples if they try to? work with them rather than against them do you think that there's going to be a hard player choice to manage I think that there is an opportunity for that but like one of the things I'd probably do like the main problem with that eclipse with the particular example you're thinking of which is in uh, when one door closes another opens one of our actual plays for eclipse phase is the whole the problem with that was the reliance on rolling so if I did, uh, if you change that to be like, as long as the players are having a good idea, like, because you understood the principle of how you were meant to communicate with the alien, but you kept failing to, you were failing the roles. So if I remove the role, basically in that situation, that problem is solved. Then it yeah. just becomes a matter of so how you choose to So if you, you remove the chance it. mechanic or the difficulty mechanic and actually make it a role playing yeah. experience, then, yeah. mm-hmm. then it's either a f- acting out a scene. Yeah. Yeah, then it's either you fail or you don't kind of a situation, unfortunately. Like, it's either you understand how to communicate with it or you don't. But it's not, I get the premise of how I'm meant to communicate, but I keep failing my roles. And that's something that does come up in a lot of (coughs) role-playing games. Like, only role when failure would be interesting uh, or would... Like further the story. Yes, yeah, like no one has to roll to light a torch because it's yeah. just like yeah. you don't light a torch. You try again until the torch is lit. I mean, come on, that's yeah. just that's just tedious and boring. You don't make drive rolls for driving down the highway. You only make drive rolls when it's fucking raining. Yeah, that's upside down, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any final questions before we move on to? I don't have any. Yeah, no. Would you guys play in that game? Time permitting, obviously. Does the idea interest you? Uh, okay. Um, it doesn't amaze me. Hmm. It's it's something I need to talk to you more about and get a feel. Yeah. To be honest. Fair enough. 
I'm I need more information about the world. Yeah. Okay. It's just like mildish science fiction. Sorry, mildish fantasy Australia. I'm yeah. just like that doesn't grip me. I'm envision. I'm envisioning Pocahontas, but in Australia, and more survivalist. I'm, inter- I'm interested in not playing the survival aspect. I think that's interesting. Yeah. All right. I'd, fair I'd, I'd, okay. I'd do it for that. All right. So, on to the, just scared the crap out of my dog. It's all right, Jim. It's okay. Next. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to be pitching an idea which has been been thrown around this circle a little bit before, called Quest for Fire. So good. So the idea is is that the players come from a prehistoric tribe and they are kind of like part of or they are familiar with the legend of the quest for fire. So whether that's like the Greek legend Mm -hmm. where um, the gods uh, gave the Prometheans uh, gave uh, Prometheus, sorry, yeah, Prometheus gave fire to man. Such a great mental image. Sorry, continue. Gave fire to man in order to fight the Titans, I believe. Is it was more he just gave fire to them so they wouldn't die, I okay, think. Okay, there we go, anyway. But they're kind of, like, part of that. So, like, yeah. fire was given... They believe that fire came from the gods to man, whatever those gods yeah. may be, non-specific deities. Yeah. Um, and the cataclysm that actually starts the whole run is that the fire, like the central fire of the tribe, mm-hmm. goes out. And fire and the tribe no longer has fire. Mm-hmm. So the playing party is the uh, people from the tribe that are basically like elected by consensus of the tribal elders to go on the quest for fire with the ultimate goal of either doing something that pleases the gods to get fire back or stealing it from another tribe and bringing it back. So kind of like half the ordeal is finding fire. And the other half of the ordeal is actually getting the fire back to where the tribe is settled in order for them to utilise it again. So it's kind mm. of like a, a campaign of two halves. I've got a couple of questions. Okay, hit me with your questions. First one, is there a time limit on the game? Because presumably Ooh, the village can only survive a certain <laughs> amount of time without fire. Okay, so that's an interesting thing. I don't want it to turn into like a bloody Dragon Age type thing where there's well, like where there's the like thing to remember the impending doom yeah. and you can just side quest to your heart's content yeah indeed yes I guess that but that would be I think that would be like an unseen mechanic it would just be kind of like the DM is thinking oh, about this cool. kind of thing yeah. and then even if, the, the, if and then they like arrive back and the whole tribe is like gone or dead so or the whatever. players would be aware that there is a time limit for their village survive but not aware of what how much time they have to work with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'd nice. be aware of it in that the Elder like probably it. said when they left, yeah. you must be swift because, like, we've only got 30 days of smoked fish. Don't realistically, realistically as an idea, I think it could work as either a timeless campaign or a short campaign with a defined number of runs or even as a one-shot if you had to. I wouldn't mm. do it as a one-shot. But I think the timeless campaign, given that uh, question, is actually probably the best way to go for yeah. this. Um... Do you have one? Because I've got others. No, you can go. Um, the other thing I had was, would you have the gods be, even if they're not seen in the game, would you have the gods were real and actually gave fire? Or would you go for something that more accurately, in my particular worldview, represents the reality of the situation in that they believe there were gods and they believe this is a holy thing. But, like, 
it's merely the way in which they're seeing the world. So, like, you don't have magic and shit. I wouldn't touch on it and I wouldn't clarify it. So that is that is the way that I would like to see yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would... Like, the players believe and they think that anything... It's just kind of... It, 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 it is religious in a way in the fact that any thing that they see or experience that they can't explain, they tend to attribute yeah. that towards divine intervention rather than coming up with yeah. some uh, physical explanation of the phenomenon yeah. that they observe. There's a strange bluish bird with a hundred eyes ah, in its tail. Ah, the herald of Modazon the fifth. <laughs> yes. Praise. And whether I'd actually base the religion that they adopt on an actual, like, real-world religion, or... So this is a fantasy. Yeah. Well, it's kind of... Well, a, you're going for a tribal thing, so yeah. I would be like... I wouldn't I wouldn't give the gods names, although... I would... Like, if you were going to give the gods names, I would go for, like, random strings of syllables, followed like, by the something. So, like... Yeah, I think... Makrakok, yeah, okay. the blazed. Yeah. I don't think it's a crucial plot point. Yeah, I think it's I think it's flavor for the world that could be developed to enhance the world, but it's not critical for the execution of the idea. So, what would be would there this game would it be sort of orientated towards a particular skill set? So, exploration, survival, combat, uh, or would it just be sort of a mishmash of whatever they happen to encounter? So. Obviously, there's some navigation slash exploration in this because they don't know where the fire comes from or where it is. So there's no, like, landmarks or anything that they're actually trying to find. Like, uh, they don't even really know definitively that there are other tribes of humans that exist. Yeah, because if if you're going for the tribal thing, like, the whole, like, a major part of, like, early tribal society was that, like human beings just when they came into conflict with other humans they either fought or they just moved (coughs) and like it's one of the big things that developed that caused war was like we couldn't move anymore yeah so this I I mean that, that that's one resolution to the story and it's probably like because, because there's definitely the capacity for failure here there's definitely a way in which uh in which they can't get it from another tribe because they get defeated when they try and go and get it. They don't come across, like, a random lightning strike that causes a grass fire or something like that, which would be, like, the gods intervening sort of thing. Or they don't come across, like, a volcano or something like that. So there is a certain amount of exploration in this, but then there's also wild beasts that Mm, they need to deal with. There's a survival aspect because they're going on... Yeah, I was going to say, both of the first pitches we've done are both survival. They're 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 going on a quest across uncharted land. So there's all of this. And they can't... They can't really go back to their tribe... Without the fire. Without the fire. Yeah, because there's no point. Like, they'll die if they go back anyway. Everyone will be disappointed. Um, What I don't know is system. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I can't think of like a, I, mean, I can't think of a perfect fit. Um but I can think of like a couple of good ones. In that some ways, work. actually going back on my previous thing of I wouldn't do it as a one shot, that could almost be something you could look at doing with Wushu as a one shot and just have it be a sort of really fast paced dynamic. But that of course cuts out the survival extent accent. The survival well, so, That's like, the medium ground you. for that would probably be 
I would think, personally, fate. Because then you could, because fate deals a lot with, like, character aspects and stuff. So, like, one character might be Grok, the hunter, and he's got a whole bunch of hunter skills, but nothing else. Can't do anything else. Can only do hunter shit. And then there, like, might be Muskaka, the trapper, or the fish, or the fool, or whatever. Yeah. Or the wise, or something yeah. like that, you know? Like, yeah. it's just like, yeah. I'm the leader of the party, I logic through the situations, that kind of thing. Yeah, the other thing I was going to say is Dungeon World could be interesting, except for a lot of the stuff to do with the character classes might become a bit... The, actually, the aspect that I worry about the most with Dungeon World is the ability for players to create the universe, because this really... That is not as... Prominent as I think it is. Yeah, a lot of this, like, that can be... It's more, a lot of that is, like, for example, the thing in Dungeon World that I was particularly worried about was, uh, discern realities. No, not discern, spout law, where the yeah. character goes, uh, I thought the way it worked is the character says something and then that becomes part of the world. The way it works is you tell the player something and then they tell you how they know it. And that's the way they contribute to that. Okay. So like, it might be like, this guy is a horrible murderer. Uh, and then you say, how do you know this? Like, because him and I are best buddies rather than him and I got into a fight one time. They're like, it's how the player decides to spin that. Yeah, okay, fair enough. In answer to the question that I think is a great question for you to ask, Billy, that you're always asking is, is there an ability yep. in this game for players to come back in? The, the answer is a categorical no. I was going to say okay. no. Everyone dies. Di- if you die, you're dead. If you die, you're dead. If, you, if, a, if, a, if a playing character dies in this campaign, they are out of the campaign. Unfortunately. That's... Yeah, that, 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 that's, yeah, that's, that's not That's not a bad thing. Like... No, I yeah, don't think it's yeah. a bad thing at all. I think it's actually really interesting because it's very uncommon. Uh, I've had that in games before, but like uh, like I've said that at the beginning, but then it's like not been a thing. Indeed. Also, that paired with the fact that there is a time limit to <laughs> yeah. the game and there is a clear-cut objective means it's not really in risk of it just going on. Yeah, you're on. probably more likely to die towards the end yeah. anyway. And there's like, oh, well, there's like two days. There's two more campaign, two more runs until the town is I dead mean, I'm anyway. I'm not going to lie. It'd be kind of cool if you failed the game by you just lost party members one by one until yeah. eventually like only two, then one was left. Yeah. And then he comes back with the flaming torch and he's just and like... Everyone's oh. already dead and from plague. And everyone's dead from plague or oh. starvation or they died of the cold or something yeah, like that. And he's just, just like... like <laughs> and then he dies alone having failed in his mission forsaken by the gods. Cool. <laughs> All right. There's some great endings. There's some great endings. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so would you play? I totally would, but I was going to play like from the moment you pitched it to I me would, in the I car totally years ago. That's, it's a game unlike any I have actually really looked at playing, so... Cool. Yeah. I like settings that are underexplored. Billy. Okay, so the first game I'm going to be pitching is a Star Wars game. <coughs> and this actually started... Uh, why are we even on another podcast when we were discussing the Edge of the Empire Star Wars Yeah, system. we were. And Raven was like, oh, I want to play the hut and just have loads no, of no cash. No gear. I will spend none of the starting cash on gear. And <laughs> just solve all my problems uh, for cash, which was hilarious and awesome and I'm keen. But... I then got thinking, and I would actually really like to do something in the Star Wars world that has the plays essentially... It's essentially be a crime empire building game. Yeah. So the idea is the plays would start off uh, essentially as nobodies uh, in the Star Wars universe 
throughout. They'd obviously have all their own backgrounds, etc., etc. And then they would have to work and claw their way up to find a way where they could get income, a way to survive. They might attach themselves to another crime lord who they do jobs for to protect them initially. Or they might just try and scavenge. Uh, or they might try and ambush and murder other people to get cash and valuables. Yeah. They start off low and then they find a way to start, as I said, clawing their way up and begin to start accumulating more wealth, more power, more reputation. Pull themselves up by their bootstraps, so to say. <laughs> You'll get that later, listeners. Um, yeah, it's, and then eventually the idea is they have the getting towards the mid-game, uh, an actual organisation that they started and built up and then have to deal with the facets of that. Like, what do they want to do with this organisation? Do they want it to be, uh, for instance, scummy, do whatever it takes to get money, deal drugs, slavery, get some of those fine wookie pelts? Uh, or do they want to try and... How will this? I keep my alien slug body warm in the cold hoth nights? Or do they want to start as uh, mercenaries... Uh, and as it gets bigger, have them introduce facets like betrayal. Maybe there are rival gangs or rival empires that see them as a budding threat. Uh, perhaps uh, the empire officials, if they're smuggling, custom officials take a look. A uh, force of law might start actively pursuing them if they rebels, do. Maybe. Indeed. They start smuggling weapons for the rebels. And then you can also get into the sort of the greatest Star Wars mythos. So this would be set in the time of the Galactic Civil War. You've got your rebels, you've got your empire. They might decide to uh, put their lot in for the rebels because there might be opportunities there. Uh, they might try and sell, work both sides to try... <laughs> Raymond's making hilarious faces. Uh, work both sides of the conflict to try and do some double dealing to maximise profits. They might sell their services to the empire. This is a lot more open-ended yeah. the, the two that have been presented it's more I just I would love to see a crime building game and just let the players decide how uh, they're going to go about this yeah. and they would be pulling the strings essentially I would just be looking at the consequences the world uh, and that type of stuff Billy and I pretty much have pictures for the same game in different settings so that'll be interesting later <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm keen are you good are we add questions now or yeah, you got sure, more you want to sure. say so you're saying that they have background yeah uh, and you, but you're saying that they're basically low level nothings well that's the way you start in Star Wars but you can still have a background from that for instance you could have been a well established powerful character who fell from grace to a point where he knew Yeah, that's that has probably be what I'd go with for my hut. Uh, Either that okay. or I was an accountant. So character age isn't an issue. It's not like you're all coming in at the coming of age of 17. No, and yeah. And you're like yeah. little youngins trying to make yourself yeah, make it's just, way in the world. It's, and you think decide of it, that crime is the way. Think yeah. of it more as you have reached a new point in your life and it is like you are starting. Yeah. So yeah, you could have a street rat. You could have a previous crime lord who was betrayed, stripped of his power and now has nothing. Fuck you could ass. have someone who's just in it for the lols. Yeah. so to speak yeah. um, okay. left their family etc. so yep. is the freedom of the world an issue like so if you can go anywhere and try if you can try to go anywhere and try to you go might and you do might anything. run into a problem that I've had recently with a campaign which is like um give the players too much options and then like you've got nowhere to begin with so I would look at having uh plot ideas that could be presented to the players so for yeah. instance early on 
Because uh, early on they might be like mercenaries and indeed. trying to get enough cash to start their they own They might be approached thing. for a specific job. Uh, someone might take offence for or for a misunderstanding or whatever reason and commission a bounty on the group. Yeah, which then they forces need to... them to take actions. Yeah, I can see the system I would do this yeah. with is the Star Wars role playing game, which is Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, Force of Destiny. Potentially. Presumably, you'd only yeah. really be using Edge of Empire, though. Yeah, but that system is really good and really effective. There's uh, one thing that I think you might run into a problem with. Yep, shoot. There's something that like lots of role-playing games have a problem with. Even role-playing games that are geared towards it don't necessarily do it well. And that is the building of organisations. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure... I'm interested to see how you will approach this problem like how are they going to deal with like in the mid game when they have subordinates how are they going to deal with running a business how much of that are you going to actually include in the gameplay like how much are they going to need to worry about um task delegation and the management of multiple uh criminal enterprises so to begin with when they get to that point ideally i'd like to streamline it yeah obviously you always they still get the say there are say they're um uh smuggling they get in the smuggling they build up a little organization around that they've got a few subordinates etc the players might for instance be like okay we need some of our guys to make a drop to this world for this client uh and then that would get carried out but it would be more they have to make the choices uh, and that would then factor into things like potential consequences. Such yeah, the, profit, the, the, main, yeah. the main thing I'm seeing is like how do you keep it being a role-playing game and stop it from becoming a... Um, stop it from becoming a... Uh, strategy... A, uh, a strategy game. And yeah. Yeah. A resources manager. One option that I sort of toyed with uh, is almost... So you have your role-playing game session. Yeah. And then when players meet up, maybe for like the first 10, 15 minutes, it would be a sort of, okay, guys, what kind of choices do you want to make for this? Mm. Um, so that's then done, and then you role-play that out. Yeah. But I'm not sure how... There's a couple of go. things I can think that might be worth looking at, but I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll wait till the end. And it would, I'll wait till yeah. we've heard from Kim. It would depend a lot on the plays as well. Like, you'd obviously want... Yeah, like, some of them might not be that interested yeah. in that aspect. So, one thing I'm seeing here is party ties. Yeah. Why? Well, why? Kim and I know why we're playing together. Well, yeah, but why, why are these characters, like... So you, you Why have they chosen to enter into this so, enterprise yeah, together? Yeah. There, there, there's all these different dudes as these backgrounds and they kind of like start their individual lives in crime but they end up becoming a syndicate or an organisation or something like that and I want to know... I have a suggestion why? as to why. Why does this work? Perhaps the first uh, campaign or plot point might be like an Ocean's Eleven type thing. Like the, the character that is trying to form this syndicate knows of a job that they want to do that'll get them the capital to get shit underway and they know the people that they they know of a list of people that can help them and yeah. so like maybe the first game the way that characters are introduced is like one character being like all right i'm gonna go talk to harlock matibird and he's gonna he's a skilled pilot he knows all about smuggling 
That was sort of like one of the options I had as well was, for instance, um, their Yeah, so like local, you start with yeah. a job that binds yeah. them all together. like a local client wanted like, all right, this is your crew, you're going to do this job, don't fuck it up. Well, not even, like yeah. it might, it, yeah, like I was saying, it might be like a Notions 11 thing where like one guy knows of this big score and he brings in all these other people and then like they're like, we yeah. should do more of this shit. Work, we work really well together or yeah. I'd like to hire you to be my bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess that we work well together presupposes that they do work well yeah. together. Like if there's actually well, like the some central kind of major yeah. player con- like part like character conflict. Yeah. It's just like I think that there are options I mean, for I mean, solving so that within the game. Is, this is a common problem in role playing games and people always work out well they tend to uh, tend to work out ways to to, yeah. to get to get around it. But what I would say essentially what, what is stops a player from leaving this party? Well, so it doesn't matter if they leave because you can just have them play and uh, bring in a new character that joins the crew, which would be easier as it progresses as well. Yeah, they're like, we need a new accountant. We need somebody who can manage the books okay, and also can shoot enough. motherfuckers. Short answer is essentially in the beginning, it would you need to get the players together, talk to them about what kind of stuff they want to do, and work something out with them. Yeah, the thing that I'll say before we move on to my uh, next one is I would recommend looking at um, Game Designers Workshop, uh, which is done by RPPR. It's a podcast where they talk about designing a role-playing game. And the game that they're designing is actually about playing as people in an apocalyptic world, trying to make money, and you are part of like a, a crew of heisters in the apocalypse. That might be useful. And also Rain has built in organization building rules, which I will touch on. Later. Actually, I won't touch on, but the next game I'm pitching will be running rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, final question that we always ask: Will we play it? Yes. I will play it, but I won't be. I want to be not Jabba. I want to be a hut. I want to be the fallen crime lord with <laughs> no gear. Oh my god! I'll Consi- take- considering that the conversation that we've already had about this, yes, I will yeah. play. C- considering the latest pitch now that you've yeah. actually gone and formed the idea I'm worried about the looseness the freedom yeah yeah they're cool I never thought I'd say this but if I was to play I think I'd want more railroading okay fair enough so the game that I want to pitch now uh, at the moment is called Weapons of the Divine um, this is an idea that I've been throwing around for a while it's inspired by a lot of shit uh, which I'll sort of touch on as we go but the central premise is um, it's a fantasy world where the players play as these uh, reincarnated or preordained beings called the uh, weapons of the divine or just the divine weapons. They are wielders, they can wield any weapon they wish, but they are particularly predisposed to a specific one. When they, with any weapon, they are heroic, but when they wield the weapon that is of their aspect, they are like forces of nature. So the aspects are things like the sword, the bow, the axe, the shield, the gauntlet, which is meant to be like hand-to-hand combat because it was the best thing I could come up with. Um, things like that. You'd also, yeah, I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, and so you'd have the players play as these. Now, obviously, you probably wouldn't be able to get a full complement because there's like, I think, something like seven or eight of the weapons that I've thought up so far. And there'd be different sort of... So you'd probably only get like two or three or four, maybe. And this, the 
some of the ideas that I have for this is like there are certain character traits associated with certain weapons and like each player character has character traits not just of that one but like of other ones that makes it sort of like when they go into that first run which will be the priests or holy men or whoever deciding what aspect they are they don't know whether they're going to be the sword, the axe, or the spear. They think they could be either one, and then it's revealed to the character, but not the player, because the player would have chosen their aspect, uh, what one they are. And then as they get more, and then as they learn the knowledge of their forebears and stuff, they unlock new aspect powers. So like, the shield learns the ability of the one-man shield wall, where they can defend hundreds of people uh, on their own, and uh, the uh, the bow learns to fire as if they were an entire rank of archers and things like that. Um, the system that I'd run it in is probably Rain, which uses one roll engine, uh, same system as Wild Talents, um, but is geared towards fantasy. Uh, sorry, no, that's wrong. I completely fucked that up. Sorry, I meant to run it in Fate. <laughs> Aspects. I don't know why I said that. It's because I was originally thinking Just rain. keeping these listeners on their toes. My bad. Fate. Because fate deals with a lot of aspect stuff. And, like, more so than anything, these characters are their character traits. More so than their individual skills. And the other thing is, like, I don't imagine that the characters, before they have it revealed to them that their aspect warriors... I don't think that they would need to be particularly gifted warriors. So I could see, like, um, the shield actually being, like, a brilliant... Uh, architect or something and they actually understand like uh siege design and things like that but like it's not a main thing and then that's brought to the surface or like maybe the gauntlet is a healer but those are some of the ideas that i've sort of been throwing around um okay thoughts how specific uh is the aspect so if you're for instance <coughs> Uh, the sword is that a specific type of sword, or no. would that be like long so the, swords? So that's that's lightsaber? that's the exact that's the reason that I had it that way. So yeah. like the the sword can be any kind of sword, and like that ref- and that like one of the things that I have for the sword aspect in particular is the idea that the sword, more than any other weapon, is sort of an everyman weapon. Like it can do so many different things, yeah. and I was thinking maybe that's like a central crisis of being aspect warriors that but that have it revealed that they're the sword like they don't it's harder for them than any other to find their place because they have so much choice is there a specific time period of setting that you had for this i'm thinking so the way that i originally had it was sort of like avatar in that um yeah so like a pre-industrial society and where like there's maybe like 10 years or something between each group before it is revealed which generation but I don't like that idea as much anymore, so I've instead changed it to, instead of it being every generation has aspect warriors, it's every era has aspect warriors. So they're much rarer. So there's like hundreds of years sometimes yeah. between the coming and going. And so that gives more time for the societies and stuff to change between their comings and going. And the other thing is, because I've drawn a lot of inspiration for this f- s- partly from, well not a lot, but partly from Avatar, The Last Airbender and things like that. In Avatar, the Avatar is a be- meant to be a being of balance. That's not what the Aspect Warriors are. They're meant to be beings of change. They are meant to change the status quo and alter the thing. So it's like they come in every generation and it's like... Uh, think might be worth thinking of it like the Chinese um, 
idea of the mandate of heaven. Uh, so in Chinese history, it's taught that the reason different dynasties fall is because they lose the mandate of heaven and then there is a period of unrest between them. The way you can think of the aspect warriors is they are the they usher in the period of unrest. It's not necessarily they're destroying the world, but it's like you guys are too obsessed with class systems, so we're gonna come in here and destroy your class system and let people have access to all peoples have access to education. Or you know, you're this is a big horrible empire. We're gonna fucking crush it. Questions. Sorry, Kim. Actually, do you have something you want to ask before I continue to monopolize Raymond? Well, you've kind of covered, like, what's the world, except I'm still not exactly sure. What I would imagine is. that we'd, like, the I'd choose a sort of a time period with the players. I imagine that there's... Okay, that's fine. Yeah, there's yeah. been at least ten arrivals of the aspects before them. So I know that this kind of them. comes in with other kind of role-playing systems where you pick a class and the skills of that class, like, just to use D&D, like a rogue or a ranger, yeah. kind of reflects the kind of personality that that, like, rogues are typically mischievous or yeah. something like that. Does the aspect system limit a player's choice in their character's personality too much? That is part of the reason that I made it so that... So, with the whole emotions thing and character traits, how you don't, a warrior doesn't know or an or a, a aspirant doesn't know until it's revealed to them what aspect they are. Like, the way that would be represented in games terms is I'd have a list of character traits that are associated with the different uh, divine weapons... But the player knows. So presumably the player knows which will... the player knows which one they want to be. But they have to choose, like from their... they have to choose at least one from their list, and at least one from another weapon's list. So that means that they those are sort so of like, as of diversification. Yeah, sort of like vice and That's virtue. For I have one more question. We're running out of time. What's your question? Uh you ask yours. Mine's more of a flavor thing. Okay, yeah. what's the plot? So I've got, I've got. A <laughs> what's the actual? Story. So like this is like the setting and all that. There's a couple stuff. that I've come up with because it would depend on. I, I, <laughs> it depend on what the players were wanting to be interested in. So I've obviously talked about how they're avatars for change. You could do like the there's a corrupt empire or something. The original idea I had was that there is somebody claiming to be a new aspect, and that is the gun. Uh, and they're not recognised by the aspect church or the aspect order as being an aspect and this gun warrior has been around longer than the current aspects like he came up like a few uh, like a decade before these ones currently arrived so he's got more or he or she has more training more skill and whether they're an aspect war whether they actually have the powers of an aspect warrior or not doesn't change the fact that they've had more time to practice with their chosen weapon yep yeah okay. so what happens uh the two questions that we always ask. Yeah. Player death. Can, is there a new aspect? How, like, I, if, I can, if aspects are so infrequent, how do you yeah. get a new aspect to come in? I could see the players changing to one of the other aspects because I would never have the full roster filled by all players because that would just be too many players for me. Okay. okay so, so, so they could switch into yeah. one of the so, other so if aspects. You had like four, if you had four aspects playing, so you had like a sword, a bow, an axe, and a shield, yeah. and the bow then died, be, then they could come back yeah. as a gauntlet. Old Jim the Spear yeah. comes yeah. over from his quest to yeah. wherever stand. The other thing is that I'd imagine that like the aspects churches or whatever are spread out and like maybe the player characters all happen to be in one area okay uh, whereas the other aspects are somewhere else in the country yeah. you've got that upside down again adds to its charm so you know what I mean in the answer the second question we always ask I am interested I'm glad that you're interested I would I would I feel I would play that 
I'm not sold. I right now I wouldn't play. Fair enough. It's a similar problem to the picture I just put in it. It's very open-ended and depends on the group of players you have before you can start meshing out yeah. some specifics. Anyway, Kim, wow us with your mind brain. Jesus Christ. I believe your current one... I know what your current one is. Are you still with us, listeners? Good. Okay, uh, I'm going to be pitching uh, an idea that I actually had for like a... It's basically a D&D campaign and I've entitled it We're Not in Kansas Anymore. Yes. Sorry, I love this idea. And this idea is basically the players begin in their own country. They have their own, uh, they have their own lives. They have their own background. They have their own ideas. Uh, they. I've already got my first question. They, 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 they're they're all in the same place for whatever reason the characters decide. So they might be traveling through. They might be live there, living there. So this is basically the plot of the first run that I'm yeah. revealing here is the hook. What happens is raiders from across the ocean that they've never encountered before come along and steal the playing party as slaves, basically. Either during the journey back to the original country or when they... Uh, back to the slavers' country. Yeah. Or when they get there, they actually fight their way free or earn their freedom somehow. This still happens in the first run. And suddenly you've got a, pl- you've got a playing party that is free... But presumably very poor. In a, but presumably, but very poor in a country that they do not know anything about. They've never spoken to anyone from there. Yeah. Uh, they may or may not speak the same language or even similar languages or or anything like that. They don't know anything about this place. And the kind of idea behind this is to remove the idea of. Player knowledge versus character knowledge. The, yeah. the the kind of defining principle of that plot, that starting plot, is to make player and character knowledge as close as as, as close as possible. Hmm. So the character and the players both know exactly what's yeah. going on. But now I'm going to introduce an open-ended plot idea. There kind of is. I have a plot idea for where it's going to go, but I'm not going to reveal that. Because he wants me to play in it. Because, <laughs> spoilers, uh, but the characters don't necessarily need to be heroes is another thing that I want to get away from. It's not like the playing party's here to save the world. Like, uh, I'm not a big yeah. fan of save the world plot, even though that's, I just pitched save yeah, the world plot. But that's not it. That, that's, that, that, that's, that's totally not it. Like... They need they, they, they need not be they need not be heroes. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I also want to make NPCs really important to the players, like give them good good relationships with NPCs. So make 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 NPCs that actually have a lot of flavour. So make players in like give them limited settings to begin with to actually interact with the same NPCs over mm. and over and over again so they actually develop mm. a relationship rather than the NPCs just fulfilling a function question. Something I can think of immediately off the bat related to that is like... Hold on. Are you finished? Yeah, yeah he did. He yeah. said questions. Oh, I, questions uh, yeah. I was too busy running the, the You've got the players coming from immediately the first run, them coming out of a place of trauma. So, like, the first NPC that they <coughs> meet that is uh, willing to help them or whatever, that's going to, like... they. If depending on how much the players actually role play the whole coming from a place of trauma thing, they'll probably like latch on to that character as an anchor point. And so like you've actually got sort of an inbuilt thing um there that you could work with, depending on like 
It's a common response, isn't it? Mr. Psychologist Man? Yes. It would also potentially, though, be common that some might be... Well, they also might... ...and be like, fuck you. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, like, if they associate... If they immediately associate that person with the slavers, then obviously they won't have that reaction. But, like, Okay, so you can work this out. Like, as, as, as a DM, you could actually... But you could actually uh, like there's paint, an inbuilt post- yeah. paint the t- t- traumatic experience really well. Give them the first NPC non-slaver that they meet actually to be a bad character, so they already get that negative reaction out of the way. And then when someone treats them well, yeah. they actually find that there's people in this in the uh, in this new continent in this new country, whatever that 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 that, yeah. that, yeah. Are, that are actually yeah. willing to help them. Maybe that person has been to their home country and speaks the same language as them and yep. can actually yep. help them through a, an alien world. So are the players... Like that. Are the player characters all from the same culture? Yes. Okay, I thought this, it was they were all from different cultures but they just no, happened to be is, slaved because that could be really interesting. Uh, well. I, I, I don't think so. I think that making them all from the same... Like limiting player crea- limiting character creation to make them all from the same culture... Is easier to create the dynamic of culture shock rather than having yeah. to deal with a number of yeah. different people from a number of different cultures having different reactions. Agreed. Yeah. I, no, I, 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 I think similar but nuanced different is better than drastically different. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say is, um, uh, you. I think you need to be really up on your descriptions of the new culture, and you need to. Of the the slavers' culture or whatever, yeah. and you need to like you need to be able to uh, explain to the pl- the players need to know what they know about the place they're from. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you need to you need to explain this new world to them. Yeah, I think really I think that there's that emotive painting of this particular role play is more important than yes. in like there's less margin for error. I have is, is, is I guess what, what I'm saying. Two really. questions. Yep. Both focused on the players. Yep. One, if the players are in an alien world they know nothing about and yep. don't want to be there and are also more side characters in the main plot, why should they care about the plot? It wasn't that they were side the, characters. They're not the heroes. No, no, no. But the, what he well, means, what, they what, don't have to be the heroes. Okay. Yeah. What Kim means yeah, by yeah. they're not her, the heroes is they're not. They don't have to be heroic characters. Okay. But they are the focus of the story. Just yeah, like, are, like yeah. for instance. Okay, that's yeah. where. So I guess you could say that the, the focus of the story is getting home. Maybe the plot idea that could be used here is that the main plot that I have developed is how to get home. Yeah. Like you tie the two together. Like the, the, the primary motivation of the playing party is to get home. Yeah. You make the main quest the means to the end. Yeah. 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 And in so doing, you tell a story, okay, yeah. which is the main plot yeah. to get home. So my second question, which follows on from that then, so you start doing that, what happens if halfway through, half the party decides, okay, we've learned enough about this world and we actually kind of really like it here, we want to stay? Oh, I've uh, got a great solution for that, if I may. Well, I will give my response first. Yeah, no, cool. Well, uh, that will be an interesting day. Firefly like shout out. I was gonna say you <laughs> then change the plot of the game to be how do the players earn citizenship in the country? But what if half the party wants to stay and the other half wants to go, and then you have this? Well, then then you have two campaigns in the same world. Great fun. Yeah. So like, <laughs> maybe maybe there's we double our insert quest here output. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you could have... You, there's a multitude of solutions. Like, you have one group of players trying to convince <laughs> the others. You discuss it out of run. Or, like, in-game you have, like, well, we're going to help you get home and you're going to help us earn our citizenship. Yeah. It's like you have the plots run parallel. So, standard question. Uh, if a player... Yeah, what happens when a player dies? I, because of the difference in cultures and because... Unless... Unless you make a freak event where you actually bring another yeah. slave, another captured slave yeah, they that's free, free slave. I just think it's too neat, too coincidental. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think it's another true death game. Yeah. Like, you die, you're out. World needs more true death games. So that being said, how much do you think, what would you think would be the level of risk to the characters? Off to stop, I know it's a really nasty, vague question, but I'm just curious. I think I think the way to play this is you actually start with a larger party than you would be comfortable with, and you actually do the you actually run the campaign high risk, slump it down to like medium in the middle, ramp it up towards okay. the end, and then climax and finish. So yeah, the idea being the, the, lose the, a couple the, towards the, the start. The, the 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 it. This is an idea that I just had. Can be criticised. I would be willing... I'd be okay with that, but I can tell you now that there are a lot of players who be like, why would I play in a game where I know at li- that I have like a 1 in 6 chance or a 1 in 5 chance or however many players you have of being kicked out of the game in the first like quarter. I think it would be kind of interesting because you could sell... It. Could oh, no, definitely. know anything yeah. about the world as well. You could sell it as just, well, be smart. See how you It's go. definitely interesting. But because the other problem is what happens when none of the players die. What happens when they defy your odds? You end up with a large party and you have to deal with it and I have to deal as the DM with the consequences of that. Yeah. Would you play? I'm interested. I, I am actually really interested. I really, really love the idea of you knowing, the player knowing nothing. So you can't just go, oh, well, I know if I do this in this situation, bad shit's going to happen. Or that's a fucking dangerous monster. Let's run away. The thing that I would latch onto as a player is I would want to know as much as I can about the world that I came from so that I can then use that when I'm in-game to be like... I wouldn't roleplay it. I'd use pre-run sessions to educate players. Yeah, indeed. But that's what I mean. Like, I would I would yeah. want to know as much as I can as also, a player. Also, I say this is running D&D. It's actually not... Like, that's the system that I'm thinking of running it in just because that's a good fantasy... That's a fantasy system that I would like to run this in. We can talk about other systems later. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we, we, the, the we, we, point I was going to make is like... Yeah. Um, but it's not set yeah. in the D&D universe. It is a... Yeah, like what? Yeah. how many D&D games are actually so running D&D? Point, is there magic? Is this a realistic game or a more of a fantasy? Oh, you could... Because if, you could don't, be... if you don't want to... If you don't want the players to use magic, you could totally run it in Iron Heroes. You could even that have the, is the yeah. game. That's the system that you suggested for this game when I was telling you like little snippets about it. Iron Heroes is the system. Because Iron Heroes, okay. you can't be a magic user. Yeah, right. You're all like some kind of warrior. Yeah. Okay, we. I have an idea for later, which I'll discuss with you. All right. Anyway, so we're already like at almost an hour. Yep. Billy, second idea. Okay, so the second idea is. Inspired very strongly from a series called Fate Stay Night. Inspired? It's like literally in the same universe, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a clumsy phrase, but I love it. And it's something that I wanted to have a uh, role-playing game on for ages, so I'll give you the premise first. Essentially... Hang on, I'll just preface this with... Billy's not going to explain everything about Fate Zero no, and Fate Stay Night. He, you can look up those worlds. I'm going to give the basic premise. Yeah. Which is essentially... 
every indiscriminate amount of time, uh, something called the Grail appears. The Grail is a super magical object and chooses seven. It's a MacGuffin. Pe- yeah, seven people to essentially fight for it. Normally spellcasters, right? Yes, they are normally mages. Each of those people gain the ability to summon what's called a servant, which is a hero from legend uh, that essentially is manifested by the Grail to fight for them. They form a contract, so it ends up being a you have seven mages and seven servants. The last. Servant and Master Pair standing gets the Grail, which grants them any wish that they desire. Presumably with consequences. Uh, Not that great. (laughs) So what's your pitch? So I would love to uh, essentially start this with you have a player who's a mage. Uh, They are selected by the Grail. uh, And then they need to summon a Servant, who is another player. And then if there are any other players, they form a support staff. So you start off with a team that's going to win this grail. So you've got your maid, your servant, and some support personnel. Okay? And then they have to fight the other six masters and servants and kill them to win the grail. Uh, oh, I want to play in that so hard. I don't even really like Fate Zero that much. It'd be, it's good. It has a cl- Unlike my last pitch, it has a clear goal. It has a clear parameter for victory. You need to move. <laughs> it also has the potential to be a really uh, fast campaign. Yeah. Uh, I would like to have this focus... Uh, for instance, one of the main themes of the thing is knowing your enemy. Mm. So in addition to combat, there would be some espionage knowledge gathering involved. It's quite often that because the servants are heroes from legend, they may have weaknesses that if you can identify who they are, you can pick up on. Isn't a central theme of that world yeah, is that you don't know the other guy's heroes and you've got to try and keep your heroes secret so you've got your team your team has what they want to do and they have who's standing in their way of doing it something that I'm really interested in doing in this would be there would be a uneven player dynamic yeah. so the servant who is summoned by the master is traditionally significantly more powerful than the master they have a, a spirit form which means they can essentially teleport uh, and uh Way physically stronger. Yeah. Uh, they have... Whereas the mage is like a spellcaster, the servant has like innate magical abilities. Kind of similar indeed. to the aspect warrior idea that I pitched as well. Indeed. So the servants are more or less all around stronger and have special abilities that the other players don't have access to. And I'm really curious to see... And you guys feel free to question me on this. How it would go having one player be obviously better than the others. And how that works, because they've still got to function as a team yeah. to win this, because... Yeah. Okay, so... I'm not speaking super coherently, so I'm going to open this up to questions and just see where we go from there. So... I'll let Kim go first, because his questions are going to be a lot different than mine, presumably. How... Is the... the master, by the way, yeah. has, like, special things that they can hold over the servant ah, yes. to stop the servant from just being like fuck you and cutting their head so off the that's not what I was going to yeah. ask I just wanted to because that which can, also means another player can directly order uh, another, so the mage can directly order the servant to do things like three times to obey three times yeah anyway yeah, sorry so, go yeah. yeah I thought that was going to be your question no that been so mine. is the master like the best at everything no so the master no. is like the, the servant is really good at what they can do specifically and they have like almost godlike power 
but like in a specific aspect. And the servant, uh, sorry, and the master is like a good mage, maybe. There's like yeah. one guy who barely knows any magic. Yeah. And stuff like that. Like So the master, the one who summons the mage, can be pretty much literally anyone. Yeah. Uh, they might not even know that they're a mage. Whereas the servant, the being who is summoned, is generally very, very strong in a chosen field. So for instance, there's like... Okay, a, I get it. So yeah. what's with the support stuff? So it's... Can be, for instance, uh, like a mage... Other, like a mage might have other mages, like apprentices yeah. or stuff. To back them up. Uh, they might, for instance, a mage might employ, like, a sniper. So he might be like, while my servant and me are fighting, your job is to find that enemy servant's master and take them out. Or they might employ, like, a hacker. Because uh, the, master, the master is yeah. normally the weakest link. Because the, ser- the servant's really hard to kill. But the master is a fleshy human. Unfortunately, this is going to suffer a lot from people who are not familiar with the source material uh, would have to have it explained to them fairly coherently, which I am currently failing to do. Yeah, I think you should... Uh, Fate Zero is worth checking out. You could probably skip Fate State Night. You could, yeah. You could not watch Fate State Night and be good with just Fate Zero, to be <laughs> yes, honest. Um, sure. So, yeah. the master isn't necessarily, like, the mastermind... If you know what I mean, like no. if you, if there you, are sometimes where about, like, team coordination strategy, then you can actually like employ a tactician, like yeah, a tactician, definitely. Yeah, because I'm just thinking about like ways in which you can incorporate. Yeah, so a problem, the player problem into that, the execution of the yeah, the, yeah thing. the problem that you might have and that you like mentioned is like you were worried about like one character obviously being more powerful than the other. That's not necessarily a problem as long as you like let the other characters yeah, shine in the air. Indeed. Like if I'm the tact, if Kim's the tactician, you've got to let him shine as the tactician. Yeah. And if you've got that sniper, you've got to let the sniper be the sniper. It can't always. You've got to make sure that naturally. You've yeah, got to make sure that you can't just have the sniper yeah. hiding in the bush for an entire combat yeah. with nothing to snipe. Because no one wants to be, you know, feeling like they're useless. Yeah. Totally, and you could make provisions you could make sure everyone got their time in the spotlight indeed like it's and With good yeah. DMing that is not something that I would be worried about yeah indeed okay. if you had time to plan um, whether players make choices that take them out of the spotlight I can't super think of any question like big ones um Besides what's... So what's the setting of Fate Zero? Sorry, like what's... It's a modern... It's a modern setting. It's a modern setting. This is like a shadow war, basically. Yeah. Nobody really knows that it's happened. But it's not as, like, widespread as, like, the World of Darkness stuff. So it tends to take place in one one locale. So one city, for instance, the Grail will appear there. So is it kind of like The Gathering? It is kind of like The Gathering from Highlander, except that it happens, like, more than once. Yeah, right, yeah. It can happen like six years apart or like a thousand years yeah. apart. Indeed. Okay. And this one's like this. This yeah, gathering. I would. I would. Probably. I think it would be interesting if like the master gets to choose what class servant they choose. Yeah. But the servant totally gets to choose whatever uh, historical figure they want. So like somebody might choose as long as it can be tangentially related to the class. So it might be like, I choose the writer. And then somebody chooses to be like a super famous stuntman. And it's like, you were expecting a warrior. I ride motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have, yeah, open interesting avenues. Because they're yeah. normally like 
cat like so knights and shit. I guess it's true death. Player death is. Yeah. If you yeah. Lo- if you lose a support, that's not necessarily a big issue. You could hire a new support but character. The, but, but if, if the you lose the master the, dies, if the master the dies, over. the team's so it's over. A strategic element to it as well. You have to protect the master. Like, wow. So they might be shit weak. So they get a bunch of, like they've only got one servant. So they might need to hire. Uh, you know, like a bodyguard or two while their servant's off fighting this other servant but if another one of the six tries to take them out at the same time and their servant's off the master's defenseless so he needs those other players to watch his back the other thing that is interesting and comes up in the show is like sometimes the master is like a puppet like they have barely any magical ability and the only reason they get a servant is because some other really powerful mage doesn't want to get killed in the yeah. Grail War, so they get somebody else to Which summon a servant. Which would be something server. I think it'd be really interesting if one player is like realizes the master has the mark, and then starts that player starts using them essentially. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun if you if like the player character was like a male, and like I could play a woman, and I could like play them off with my sexuality. Yeah. But, like no, nah, man. Okay. You can do it. You're a big, cool. you're a big, uh, strong guy. So there'd be yeah, definite win and lose conditions what, to the game. Wait, what was that other question that I had? Um, so, die. Yeah, okay. Uh, do you fight like other stuff? Like not mast. Like not servants. Yes. Like, are you always like like is every other is every combat designed to go other like after another master or? Do you kind of? You like might fight it? the same uh, master and servant multiple yeah, times. Yeah, I, I, I get it. But are, are you like causing so much havoc with all of your magic gun shit that it brings down like the local police on your ass or something? It could. Like it that. could. You could. Or totally it could like. also be like another servant has hired goons to try and take you out with them having to dirty their hands. Yeah, somebody might be like part of a big massive mage cult yeah. and they've got like all these insane followers they can just throw at you. And poten- potentially as well depending on the story you could have a situation where like three or four masters and servants are fighting at once and you guys have got to survive that fucking melee. I think the thing that I would really love is if like the the master that you that all the players and stuff are serving is uh, yeah, indeed. Is yeah. um, like their their Sorry, thing that they want to do with the Grail is like a really horrible thing. Yeah. But none of that player character knows no, that. They're, yeah. they're like, oh yeah, we're, I'm gonna make flowers and happiness for everyone. I'm totally gonna destroy Africa. I'm just gonna fucking destroy the entire planet because fuck it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, Fair enough. I think it's my go. So yeah. hey, hang on. Oh right, right. Sorry. Would you? Play. Would I play in this? No, you're would. meant to ask us. All oh, right, ask us is the picture. All right, do it. Would you? Give I totally would. I'd be happy to play as anything in that. Like, I'd I'd love to play as the servant. I'd love. I'd obviously love to play as the master because I love being in positions of power and I love having magic. Even though, like, I'm not too keen on fantasy settings. Uh but this isn't a fantasy setting. Indeed. Uh, and I'd love to be a support character. I am not sure if I want to play, but I think. I'm excited right now, and I'm interested enough to see, like, how the hell it works. Yeah. So I would play just as, like, an experiment, you and I pick- totally want to be a support staff member. You need to pick your players real careful. Yeah, like, yeah. you would. Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't think, I, I definitely wouldn't want to be a master, and I'd be hesitant about playing a servant. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, anyway, Raymond, your third idea, if you please. How are we doing? We are. We're at like an hour and seven minutes, which is fine. We all, we expected this to go long. Yeah. I will put in the thing that it's a longer one. Uh, so my game is called Bootstraps. What? Uh, this... hey, didn't you make some kind of call about that? I did earlier on. on Billy's like, yeah. what, wasn't it his Star Wars game? Yeah, yeah his Star Wars about game about criminals up. building a criminal oh, empire. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So right. these guys are like cobblers, right? Interestingly, not cobblers. <laughs> so, I've had this idea for a really long time of I wanted to do a game where the players, <coughs> and ideally, like, I'd love to play in it, but it looks like I'll get that opportunity. Arena Mind Meld continues. Where the players got to... Uh, were criminals uh, as part of a criminal organisation, whether that was one they were building uh, or one that they were just members of. And uh, for a lot of... The, for a while, I've struggled with how to get players interested because I think that the game stands on its own as just a modern setting you are criminals building a criminal organisation but a lot of the players I know need like a supernatural hook in order to draw them in whether that's like it's a fantasy world or there's zombies to not use the actual example uh, so I came across a solution to this problem there is a game called Knights Black Agents, which is about conspiracy and vampires. The central premise of the game is you play as former members of uh, espionage organizations from around the world uh, who have uh, who no longer work for the CIA or the Secret Service and are now moved into the private sector, and you've stumbled across a vampire conspiracy. And you've got to use espionage tactics and things like that to bring it down and stop it or whatever it is so like one of the ones that I've seen is like um I won't go into that yeah, actually because well, yeah. that's 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 pointless yeah. anyway so the idea that I have is the players have start as a, a couple of uh criminals uh that are sort of in a position of power they've got like maybe a few blocks of territory in a city uh last year uh the one of the big gang or like recently one of the big gangs fell and like there's only really one big gang left and they've got an opportunity to carve out some territory and start uh, making a profit from their crime. And then the way it would work is they slowly start to interact with that other crime organisation and they start brushing up against it and then eventually it is revealed that the head of that organisation is some kind of powerful vampire. And that's like... The way that I would sell that to players. You're, you're part of this criminal group. You get to build your criminal empire. You've got to work out how you're making money and all that shit. But you've also got this vampire that wants to stop you. Because you keep fucking with his shit. You know, he had the meth, meth trade. And now you're bringing in meth. Or you're cooking it in the city. Whereas he was bringing it in from somewhere else. So you've got, you've got lower costs. Or whatever. So you can do it cheaper. And you're encroaching on his territory. So it's an economic game as well as you've actually got to fight this other criminal organisation. That's okay. my pitch. So first of all, I'd like to say I would rather play the normal criminals in the normal world with the normal organisation I actually agree with Kim than on this. fight a, or another criminal organisation headed by a vampire. That aside, I understand why you've made that yeah. choice. Yeah. So well, well, you could run it without the vampire. Like, Knights Black Agents works without the vampire. 
Yeah, like I think that that's I think like that would my, be least, a my least favorite part of the pitch is the yeah. pitch that you've is the bit that you've included to make it more popular has actually made me less. Like I know I know why he did it. I know the execution would be a lot better, but it's sort of just like. I can imagine this, this finds up organization it's like it's headed by a vampire. Yeah, so the way it would work out is like you would start off by hearing yeah. a lot of rumors yeah, about yeah. this other guy. Like uh, normally with a criminal organization, like the head of the organization, it doesn't get their hands dirty, yeah, yeah. and it'd be like you keep hearing of this fucking boogeyman guy who's like he runs the other side of town, and like when you step on his turf, he doesn't send guys; he fucking comes to your door and kills your whole family. I mean, yeah, I think it'd be. Just as if not. I mean, I could do. I could do still do that. Yeah, being a vampire. Yeah, it could be the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. Anyway, so that out of the way. Um, uh, what com- combat? Talk to me about how combat works. Do you? Is it more sort of a like a? We sent your guy. We sent our guys to fight your guys, and this was the outcome of that. Auto, no, 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 no. Auto counts battle. Or so the is way it, is a bit of column A, bit of column B. The or? way it would work is like, um, you might have a cup because you would be the smaller organization. It'd be a lot more focus on the players having to take action. So it might be that the players are the only ones that are really competent, and all of their staff are just like they can cook drugs and they can run drugs. But, like, if they get into a firefight, they're going to fold. So, like, all of the actual... uh, Or, like, if you need them to actually sneak into somewhere, that's going to have to be you. So they can do the mundane... They can do all the mundane shit for the drug or the criminal organisation. But the actual interesting stuff, that's what the players have to do. So, like, you... Yeah. That's the way I would run it. And you might, like, occasionally have one or two guys that are really good. So, like, you might be able to get, like five uh, heavy enforcer type dudes that you can bring with you for a particularly difficult raid or something. Right, okay, fair enough. Okay. Um, so, I don't, sorry, did you want to go or? No, you go. Okay, so what would you, in a similar uh, vein as some of the questions I was asked, Yeah. what happens when the players start wanting to expand their enterprise to this point where it does become has the potential to become quite large and they have the ability to expand and influence, require more, hire more personnel, all of that. Stuff. I would, I mean, or would you be idea- ideally that? the way that I would run it is the players are almost always an underdog. Like they, yeah. I wouldn't run this for more than like t- 24 runs, for example. Yeah. Like half a year worth of game if it was run every so day. So do you think players would be satisfied with always being the underdog? Well, not, so... Always being the underdog, meaning, like, they've got... They don't have as much resources as the other guy is what I'm meaning to be. And, like, the campaign might end with them having control of the entire city or them having a large enough buffer zone that they can become a big criminal empire. But the point where they can, like... The point where the game starts to run up against, um, oh, we can just delegate out all of the tasks that we need to to other people and we can just sit in our fucking ivory tower, that is the part where that game changes to a different type of game. Yeah. And ideally, the campaign would have ended before then. Okay. It's, most, it's meant to be just the... It's like the first season of a crime drama or something, you know? It's, you know, they're building their empire. It's not about them maintaining the empire. Yeah. Okay. Um... You mentioned, like, extra enforcers and stuff like that. Yeah. This is something that I, I meant to ask you about. 
your thing. Yeah. Yeah. I have a personal pet peeve. Leadership feet? About <laughs> NPC followers, subordinates, whatever. Like. It would be like a one off sort of a thing. Like. Okay. You know. So it's not like you're always playing with two characters. You're not. Together. Yeah, there wouldn't always be the enforcers. It would be like, you guys have enforcers in your. It would be like, I would explain off screen. You guys have enforcers and stuff and whatnot. But in order yeah. for the game to be interesting, we're not going to use them all the time. It's only going to be when, like, there is no other way around. And I will tell you when it is a good idea to bring in forces. Like, obviously, if you could, you would always... Well, like, it will be obvious is what I mean. Like, yeah, it'll be like okay. this is a really big heist. They've got hundreds of guys that you need to get through. That sort of a thing. Like, because obviously in an ideal world, you'd probably always bring your extra enforcers because, like, why wouldn't you take that extra protection? No, plays being played. Although, I can think of a reason why you wouldn't because it makes you more conspicuous if, like, a whole bunch of dudes roll up in black SUVs. Well, you can actually make finances a big, massive penalty. I mean, yeah, you, ha- you get to make a lot of money. Like, hmm. only the really big guys have like enforcers constantly on the payroll yeah most yeah. people bring yeah. an enforcer in for a particular job and then they let him go like a freelancer that's a good, yeah that's job. a good point so what you do is you make it so expensive yeah that you can't fight yeah. like fiscally yeah justify a consistent the yeah. consistent and it might use of an and it might be like you, you don't do. yeah. it's like your your daily power or something yeah. like that yeah you use it on the run I really like that you, that's a you. really good way yeah. to it might, that and, and, it. and another right. way of like inter- in working that into the story is like that enforcer might be coming from another criminal syndicate in another city that you might have gained ties with and that also gives the players way more agency they have a bit more control over when they when they choose to use their daily power yeah. rather than just this is a really big fight coming up. You should dust those guys off and yeah, them it'll out be of the like road. it'll yeah, it'll be yeah. like okay. So you guys have this is your finances at the moment. You can work out from your finances how often yeah. you can bring in an enforcer, and then they can decide to use it because like the the system that are that Knights Black Agents run in is Trail of Cthulhu, which has preparedness, and preparedness is like you walk into a building we, Kim and I talked about this earlier you walk into a cr- if you're a criminal uh, not a criminal if you're like a cop you walk into a building uh, and you need to and you see some evidence and you don't have on your character sheet that you have evidence bags but you roll your preparedness roll you succeed you pull out your uh, evidence bag actually I don't even think it's a roll I think it's like a spend like a daily power kind of thing but yeah um, any other th- questions? would you play in it? firstly Obviously, there's going to be the ability for people to come back if characters die. I would allow one. Okay, so one one player death. Just because I don't, I don't want it to become a thing. Okay. So I mean, normally people will be doing their best to avoid death anyway. I I would maybe not even one. Maybe it's like death is death. I just I don't. I think that it would bringing in new characters into games is something that I don't really like. Because I feel it weakens the story, and if players know that they have that option, they might be they they might be more inclined to be all like, "No, I'll just have my character I, die I, and I, play I, a new one." I can understand that if we were players who were role playing properly, then we would treat every character yes. like it was the true death. However, there is a different response in a player knowing that they really enjoy a campaign. 
and they don't get to play it anymore if their character dies. Like, I think that you cannot emulate the stakes on that. I agree, but I also think it's something you want to use sparingly. Yeah, uh, roll it out. Because roll it in out. that kind all of, these ideas, true death should be a thing. In that kind of game, it will affect a lot how you'll play. If they're enjoying it and they only get one shot, it will affect what their little underdogs do. They might decide it's safer to not cause a big stir in this pond. Yeah, even though like characters in that situation are probably going to be like, live fast, die young, motherfucker. Yeah, is what I'm talking about. No risk, no reward. It, it would <laughs> might be really weird to have a, uh, uh, you know, up and coming underdog crime. We're like, ah, oh, that's, no, nah, we might die. We'll sit well, we're not going to run meth. We might get arrested. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. the premise of the game. That, yeah, yeah that's what I would I'm, argue against. Yeah, I don't know. One chance. Okay. Maybe, maybe everyone gets one. Maybe Spider-Man rules. Everyone gets one. Yeah, it's a family guy joke. A new gang member, Miles Morales. <laughs> I might play. Yeah. You, you'll play if it's not vampires. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree with Kim. I reckon it works way better without vampires. Yeah, the problem I, is is that you two are not likely to have the time to yeah. play in that. Whereas, That's true, from a logistical perspective. Yeah, but we're indeed. dealing with this in hypothetical... Like, Ultimately, I'd like to run all of these nine ideas yeah. and record you, them. I mean, people who are listening don't realize how frustrating it is for me, who like cannot do anything else, to hear all of these awesome ideas and be like, "Oh, it's really cool. I love to play in that." Provided it happens in like two years. All right. So okay. that's my, that was my last one. All right, Kim. Here's with the juju. All here's right. With so your this finale. is my last one, and it is inspired. It's like an exploration-inspired game. It's called. Look what I've found. And the basic premise is, like, uh, when I came up with this idea, I thought, because of the, ro- the role-playing systems that Raymond has told me about, that it would be best run in Numenera. And the idea is is that it's like, um, you are, the playing party is early 20th century British explorers slash archaeologists, and they basically go around searching for and finding uh, ancient Egyptian relics in the tombs of pharaohs. So it's kind of like an ancient Egypt, or similarly ancient... Uh, early, early sort of British Empire, yeah, real world events, real world setting, yeah. uh, like exploration game. And but the problem that I uh, think of when I think of Numenera is that uh, it requires significant modifications to the system. So that system is not actually designed for this at all. It's got its own world with its own mythos and well, so yeah, I'll, I'll bring and, it and up all, and all I'll that kind of stuff. And that would be like. Uh, the exploration aspect that you want is not so ingrained in Numenera yeah. that you should use Numenera. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, basically, each run... Yeah, different tomb? Is Well, it's not necessarily a different tomb, because some of those tombs are actually quite extensive, but I think that there'd be significant portions of time between runs, like game world time. Yeah. And I also think that it would be best run as a relatively short campaign. So, like, what, what, one of the problems with this idea that I think is one of its shortcomings is that I don't yet have, like, an overarching plot idea structured other than find relics of of, of ancient Egypt for the glory of the British em- of, of, of the glory of the British Empire. They're trying to get tenure. That's the goal of the campaign. They're right. trying to get tenure. And now that I've seen this thing about 
uh, aren't even playing it. Player dynamic is there like the boss dude with all the money to throw around that's going mm. through these ex- explorations, and he's kind of like the thinker and the decision maker. And then there's other people that have the specialties, like you have the specialty archaeologist, and there might be like a surveyor or something. I don't know the kinds of specialty things you need well, to do ancient Egyptian uh, monument discovery digging. <laughs> Well-formed idea, this one. <laughs> Basically, I want to get a whole bunch of people in the room where they have to do ridiculous yeah. British accents and discover ancient Egyptian but that could be really monuments fun. and relics. I think it's more light-hearted than, yeah. every, than everything else that we've seen so far. It's just kind well, of I, like... I can see and it you could have it be like a seri- like a, a couple of runs and be like, you know, one run is you going out this particular relic, this particular location and zany shenanigans. Yeah, I think that would work nicely in... Uh, Fate, or yeah. or in particular, it might work really nicely in Trail of Cthulhu, but you just remove all the horror aspects yeah, of Trail of Cthulhu. I, I, but there's like no, there's no combat. You don't know that. Also, just because there's no combat, like a lot well, of there's no point- there's no combat against creatures. I mean, you might have a conflict. Maybe you need to employ oh, forces. You could have between some, well, the other puzzle solving. Well, the other exactly that's, that's, that, 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 that's one of the things. Yeah. Like I think that it's more sort of like. Find the thing, puzzles, maybe some conflicting archaeological groups have a little have, bit of a shootout. I reckon Trail of Cthulhu like with the horror what, stripped out. What happened in, in The Mummy? Without the, without, yeah. without the actual mummy. Yeah, so, without the actual mummy. <laughs> yeah, the so, mummy without the mummy. Yeah, I reckon Trail of Cthulhu would work excellent for ah, that. Yes, um, and the other thing is like... Um, the local... The just because... Egyptians come in and you think try to clear you out of their The deserts space. will handle that. Yeah, you think there's no conflict, but what happens when, like, the uh, secret uh, tribal peoples that have guarded this temple for, like, a hundred thousand years or whatever show up and are like, you have crossed the sacred seal, <laughs> you cannot leave. Nothing happened because they believe the desert will handle them. They let them go. <laughs> and the other thing is it doesn't have to be in Egypt. It can be in other parts of the world where like conflict is more likely to happen. Under the sea. But like even in I Ag- think I'd run it in Egypt. Yeah. I think Yeah, and I even think there there's plenty know. of conflict to have with the setting you've got. Like oh, I yeah. see, Jerry. So you've got like, rival adventurers so this coming is across like it. Real world 1930. Yeah. Yeah. So you've also so you've got in, you've got Indiana Jones with the supernatural removed. Trail of Cthulhu is the game you want to run this in. I have. I'm telling you. Trail of Cthulhu. Yeah, because it because it's because it's got that um preparedness mechanic. So it's all like, oh, I take out my special archaeology brush for moving away the sand on this piece of art or whatever. Or I bring out my a tome that has a catalogue of uh, hieroglyphics and that's the preparedness so thing. Side note, when I was really young and playing a lot of city builders, I actually got like a hieroglyphics book and I tried to learn how to like write, write, read and write huh. in basic hieroglyphics. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, kind of. So that would be a nice skill to roll out. Yeah, That'll anyway. Be... <laughs> that's a thing. Yeah. I still got that book somewhere. You can call on oh, that, those skills. What's the most British name you guys can think of? What was my character in Arcanum Quest? Oh, shit. Something. Barton the third. Batten? Batten H. Shelton the third. (laughs) Carrying (laughs) carrying the team. That is exactly it. That's the most British name. Oh my goodness, think of. Batman! Look at the markings on that scarab. I think it's good. I think it's going to be like, uh, uh, like, uh, 
can't even think of it. William William Wentworth or Classic. Abigail Shetland. Robert Robert uh, Robert Robert, Robert Wadsworth or something like that. <laughs> Victor Emmanuel III. The other thing that would be interesting with that you were talking about, like uneven player dynamic, is something you might be interested in exploring after Billy brought it up. Um, I'd love to do that. It'd be cool to have like the person with all the money that's been thrown around, like knows nothing about actual exploration, and they'd like they're not pretending to be an explorer, but they're like they're funding this expedition as like an interesting uh, adventure type holiday for them and like everybody else in the party is this is like their fucking life and like if they don't if they don't make a brilliant discovery about Egypt on this trip that's it like they're gonna lose the house they're gonna be out on the street uh, you know they've got they've got you know one of them's a veteran of the war and yeah there's de- there's, de- there's definitely interesting things that I think that can be done with players' personal lives and other forms of conflict, which I hadn't thought about until, like, just now. So... I'd really want to play a woman who is, like, really good in a field and have to deal with all the sexism from all the male characters in the universe, being like, you don't know shit. Fetch me a tea, love. Do you want me to fix your car, or do you want to be stuck here in the desert? Like, seriously. (laughs) We're going to die of heat stroke because you want me to make you tea. I would play it. I well, first of all, I think <laughs> that if you were doing the uneven player, that if you got rid of like the that if I don't know how a player would die too frequently, but that spike pit. It, you can totally you can totally bring if you go. You, with, just, if, you if send you, a letter up the Nile, and then like the next run, the person comes back on the ship. If you are if you are dealing with even player dynamic. Everybody can bring in a new character. Yeah. If you're dealing with uneven player dynamic, I think it makes it harder from a plot perspective or from like yeah. a story perspective to replace the head yeah. dude yeah. in the same way that you can't replace the master from yeah. Fate Zero. Yeah. That's the only thing. So would you play? Yes, totally. I, I would totally play it as a, as a short, fun... Yeah, I'm thinking, rollick. I don't know, six runs I think something. six yeah, runs... Yeah. Of, I, think we found out, I think we found our thing that Kim is going to run in the summertime... Uh, yeah, I think six rounds of this would be fun. Yeah. It'd be, it, it's yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a nice little haha. Wouldn't this be amusing? Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our last Ooh. one from Billy. Okay. So this is a bit more serious, which I'm kind of regretting because I really like the idea of we're gonna something fun. We're gonna finish on a nice serious note to uh, sober you all up. So the original concept between this was that they are a sort of labour of tale of two worlds, and it's inspired by a manga called Nejima, which I quite enjoy. But essentially, you've got two worlds. Mind blowing. I know. Wait, wait, wait. how many worlds are there? There's, there's one plus mm-hmm. one. Okay. Yeah. I'll so there's one. window worlds. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <Fuck>. Anyway. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're already in like an hour and yeah. a half. But essentially, one of the worlds is essentially. I'm going to say essentially a lot. Is you the do. modern day, yeah. uh, whereas magic is a thing, but it's something of a secret society. Right. Uh, the other one is more of your typical fantasy medieval world. Uh, they're connected by a series of portals. Uh, so the average layman in the modern world does not know about the existence of the magical world. Uh, and vice versa. Uh, and the plot starts when... Because I always liked the 
players meet in a tavern. But it'd be a bit of a twist is that the group of players are meet, uh, happen to be at like the modern day equivalent of a tavern. A and pub. It is a pub. And it is attacked uh, by a being from the magical world who's doing stuff for the plot. Uh, and the players are the only survivors. Mm. Uh, they are then picked up by... Uh, border bo- Dimensional Border Patrol? More or less, essentially, uh, taken in and questioned. And that's how they get together and that's how the plot gets kicked off. Which is essentially, they are then sent to the magical world to try and help track this guy. Mm, that'd be cool. Uh, and for instance, we think like the magical world would not be aware of guns. But you could bring them over and it would just be a like, ooh, that's so quaint. What does it do? Allow them, and they start oh, trying to cast a spell and it's like, bam. And it'd be like in fucking, um, it'd be like in Borges when the guy is like on his cavalry and he's all like, oh, look, they've got cannons. We've got nothing to worry about. And then the guy with cannons fires chain shot and kills everyone. And the plot is essentially this group of people are uh, trying to follow the powerful being that attacked them and work out they know he's doing something big they don't know yeah. what and piece it together and they also know that he is aware they survived and will try and wipe them out uh, if possible which is why they have to keep staying together and tracking him cool I've got a couple of things shoot so one I can think of it reminds me a bit of Stardust and yeah also yeah, and like I had toyed with that a, a similar idea for my um Weapons of the Divine thing. I'm like, do I want to put this in a world between worlds? And the other thing is, there's a World of Darkness setting for that. Is it Mirrors? It's in the Mirrors book. There's the one where all of the supernatural shit happens in these, like, shimmers between worlds. And there's, like, entire towns that exist in, like, the gaps between bricks. uh, And shit like that. Um, And, like, like, they actually... They're, like extraterritorial zones of the United States and so like the people there still have to pay taxes to this world that they know nothing about and like the people on our side don't know that it exists and I think there's stuff like that in um, Dresden Files actually I think I know there's not that I've read but I've heard um, and the other thing is it reminds me a little bit of um, Unknown Armies I think is what I'm thinking of as well I think it's the Never Never you're thinking of in Dresden Files which is essentially Supernatural. I don't know if it's a never, never, but whatever. Anyway, the point is, I think that yeah, there's some interesting stuff there. Um, what setting are you considering? Uh, not setting. What rule system do you think? It's really tricky because I would like something like spellcasters would be a thing if people wish to use them, and the structured system of Pathfinder works really well for allowing both spellcasters and characters who are not spellcasters to be able to do things but Pathfinder can also be quite inflexible it's got the scope and the breadth of what I want but also a lot of restrictions so possibly Rain if I knew more about it possibly I would love to do something with Wild Talents that system and that uses the same system I really rain enjoy that. that system the other thing is like rain in with rain like because we've played wild, wild talents you can build a warrior real easy and like as far as I know spell cast the spells work just like powers in wild talents and that you tack them onto your character um yeah it's it depends like um how you want magic to work and stuff like if magic is a thing anyone can learn once they're aware of it, yeah. then there are systems where... And there are role-playing games where anyone can ga- buy a spell um, independent of other stuff. And the other thing is, like, don't necessarily... 
It depends how much you want class things to be a thing. Like, you can focus... There's lots of settings that don't have... Um, there's lots of games that don't have class systems, but... Kim? Yeah, right. So... Be cold there, Joy. Why, cold. why are they qualified? So they're... They are essentially, I would have it... So they're the, like the survivors and they get picked up by a dimensional border patrol. Well, I assume that they've got like, the reason that they survived is probably because they have some innate connection to the other place that yeah. they're unaware of and that's why they were let go or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, it was originally, they have to hunt him down. It like, was one of the original question idea. Question witnesses and then let him be on their merry. The original what? idea was that almost <laughs> it would be have these people just be in the wrong place at the wrong time and they survived by dint of everyone was believed to be dead. Yeah. Uh, and then they realised later on that they were survivors. Yeah. And it was essentially, there would be multiple other people behind the scenes looking for this guy and trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. They would just be a, like one of those things. Yeah. This is where I need to kick my brain. I'm a farmer. But it would essentially be, um, so when they get picked up, it'd be, okay, you're the only guys who saw this and we suspect when he finds out he's going to be looking for you. We can either give you two options. We can try our best to protect you and send you somewhere where you can hide for the rest of your days or we can try and train you up and equip you to help us deal with this shit. You might have survived for a reason. We want you on this. On the one hand, I think the easy solution to the problem is like the players are somehow connected to the other world that yeah. they are unaware of. But on the other hand, I think it'd be really interesting to have Speed somebody on. with no yeah. fucking unique powers or anything go into the other world and they have to find their way, you know, like Tristan. Yeah. Except that Tristan in Stardust is like actually connected to that world, but it doesn't have magic powers. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think. I don't know. I think the way, like, the most poetic way to work it is that they actually start getting bombarded with shit and it's just like, well, there's yeah. no authority that's going to help us here. We actually need to deal with this ourselves and we're all connected by this same problem is that we can't actually continue yeah. to live oh, our yeah, lives. Like maybe maybe it, really is, is that we can't actually yeah. continue to live our lives now because this guy's after us, so we need to get rid of him so we can yeah. actually get on with our other stuff. Yeah, that could I be like cool. that. Keep me high. Kim is hired as concept analyst. Lee, do you want me to add that to your title on the, on the site? Concept <laughs> analyst. All right. What about? Do you have more questions? I can't think of I'm, anything. I'm kind of done. We, we've done a lot of pitches. Yeah, we do. Well, not we even that. I just can't think of anything specific yeah. uh, to ask about what? this world. I'm just sort of. Uh, uh, true death, character death. How does it work? Because they survived this thing. Yeah, I would make them like die die. I would almost prefer it to be. I might consider like you get everyone gets one because I think if you had too many deaths, it would start to unravel a bit in its. So how do you work those deaths back in? Like how? It might just be so. Well, they need to have like a character tie or something like that. So it's just yeah. Kind of like, it could be like a side. Now we're getting our ha- asses handed to us because yeah. because, because we don't have enough support. Yeah. So I, call, I, I called up. Guy. I, I called up my mate who yeah. used to who, who who used to be a professional soldier, and now he can come in and help us kick some. I think some could, butt. I think that's the only way you can sort of do it without just that sort of like. Uh, we need a wizard. Are you a wizard? Why? Yes. Welcome to the party. Yeah, I don't know. Seems a bit odd. Yeah. Rather, not odd. Another thing could be like you have um, 
like depending on I can see like different ideas working depending on how yeah. far into the campaign you are so like if you're a, if you're one run and one of the players manages to die then it could be like um you the other players tell like a sibling of theirs about this yeah. and the sibling's like I gotta I gotta get my vengeance step up that's what he would have wanted that or something yeah okay so yeah. There's dad went on a hunting trip Doesn't mean I'm going to do that. Yeah, so there's 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 methods in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Seems like it could be interesting. Um, I'm interested. Color me intrigued. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's nine. That's nine. That's nine games for your sweet, sweet ears, <laughs> listeners, that we have come up with between the three of us. That's an. That's is, this is an hour forty podcast. This is like the one that we want you to comment on. By the way, yeah. we want to know what you want us to run out of this. Yeah, you us? we did it for you. Because the ones you're most interested in are the ones that we'll try and get running. Alternatively, yeah. if there's one you'd actually like to know more about, yeah, that too, uh, in more detail, let us know <coughs> and we can provide. Please, that. please let us be. Weapons of the Divide. By dint of the short pitch time uh, and some pretty hefty content, a lot of these weren't explained to their full potential. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, like for example, I didn't want to go in too much about the background for Weapons of yeah. Divine because like yep. that wasn't necessary for the pitch. Yep. Cool. So thank you for yeah. So to please leave us a com- comment. Um, send us an email uh, if you've got any other questions. Uh, you can also find us on uh, you can find us on WordPress, SoundCloud. Twitter and Facebook. Um, we also have our RS feeds for SoundCloud and WordPress are now listed on our WordPress site in the About section where we also have all our contact information. If you uh, are a merciful human and would like Kim to give me one of his delicious potato chips, please comment and tell him so. You have a chip, Billy. Thank you, comment. Uh, yeah, if there's something that you'd like to know more about, uh, even if you have topics for other, uh, other episodes of Crusading Couch or games you think we should look up or things like that, Please, uh, by all means, let us know. Uh, I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. I'm Will. And you listening? You've been listening to the, the Crusading, Crusading Couch, Couch. Extra Long Edition with Chips.